0: I've been reading a book by Pastor John Hagee that I haven't finished yet, and I only got a little ways through it, and I was just arrested at that point. And uh, the title of the book is The Power of the Prophetic Blessing. But in the beginning, he makes the distinction between the priestly blessing and the prophetic blessing. I haven't really even gotten into the prophetic part yet because I was so taken up with a simple, simple portion of Scripture that we all know, but how many of you know you think you know it, but you don't? And the Holy Spirit will take you deeper and deeper and deeper. And so what I want to speak about today is the priestly blessing. The priestly blessing. How many of you like to be blessed? Whoa. Either some of you are in a coma... Or you want something else other than blessing? I want to be blessed. And when when you leave the day, you might have a little better understanding what it means to be blessed. And it might be something you're going to want more than you ever wanted before. Because to be blessed by God, oh my goodness, there just isn't anything like it. And God is in the blessing business. He always has been, He still is, and He always will be. He's a blessing God. And where I want to begin today is what is commonly known as the Aaronic or the Priestly Blessing. I'm sure you've been in a service where it was announced perhaps at the end of the service, as a blessing on all of the people. And if you want to, go with me to Numbers chapter 6, verses 22-27 to 27 we're going to be looking at. As you're getting there, and it should be up on the screen momentarily, this was a specific instruction that God gave to Aaron and the priests through Moses, specific words that they were to pronounce in order to bring not a blessing from the priests, but a blessing from God on the people. These were very specific words which Aaron and his sons, but God through them would be pronouncing on all of the people of God. Okay, you ready? Read it with me. The Lord said to Moses... Tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them. And here's where the blessing begins. Read it with me. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face toward you and give you peace. That's where the blessing ends. But look at verse 27. So they will put My name on the Israelites, and I will bless them. Father, once again, we thank you for blessing us today. We want your blessing. We can't live without your blessing. Command your blessing on the church and on your people here. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. As I said, from the beginning, God has been blessing he made Adam and Eve, and the Bible says the first thing He did was bless them. Amen. Noah and his sons, they got off the ark after a year, being tossed around in the flood waters. And what does it say? God blessed them. And, you know, it's sad, but God bless you has now come to something we say when somebody sneezes, <laughs> or, you know, just... Lord bless you, brother. We're not even thinking about what we're saying. Those words are powerful. And when God said, I bless you, when God blessed Adam and Eve, when God blessed Noah and his sons, and I want to put this one up, because this one we're going to come back to a little bit later. Powerful, powerful blessing that God pronounced over Abraham. Genesis 12, verses 1-3. to And I'm going to give you a little hint. This isn't just for Abraham. It's not just for Jews. It's for you and it's for me. And if you understand that today, you're going to do somersaults when you get home. Because everything God promised Abraham and his descendants is for you and for me. Nothing less, actually more. You ready? The Lord had said to Abraham, leave your country, your people, your father's household. Go to the land I will show you. We studied this recently. But here's the blessing. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. Look out, politicians. This one's still in force. Look out, nations. This one's still in force. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all... Ah, you know I'm going to do this. What's all mean? All. That's not very convincing. What's all mean? And all peoples on earth. Raise your hand if you're in that category. Some of you, I'm not sure about. Either you're not a people, Or or you're not on the earth, or you're just not here. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And I'm going to tell you a little secret. It's through Jesus that that's going to happen. Amen. Okay? And on and on it goes. God bless Isaac. God bless Jacob. But I love Jacob. Jacob understood something about the blessing of God. He gets criticized a lot. He gets a bad rap. But let's not forget, God changed Jacob's name into Israel. Jacob, from the day he was born, he was chasing after God's blessing. Because he understood something a lot of Christians don't. He knew what makes the difference in life is not what kind of degree you have, what family you've been, been born into, or how much money you have in the bank. It's whether or not you're blessed by God. Some of you didn't hear me yet. What makes all the difference in the world is whether or not you're blessed by God. And Jacob, by hook or crook, he was running after that blessing. Cheating his brother. Got him to sell him his birthright. Faked being his brother so he could get dad's blessing. But you know after it was all over, he wrestles with God all night one night. And what was his real Desire in that wrestling match. I will not let you go until you bless me. Whoa. And you know what? He didn't. He didn't let go until he got blessed. And finally, the angel of the Lord said, all right, I give in. Uncle. We used to do that when we would wrestle. You have to yell uncle and then you finally are admitting you surrender. Well, the angel of the Lord said, all right, I bless you. And I'm going to change your name now. It's no longer Jacob, deceiver. Now you're a prince with God, Israel. And on and on you can trace that blessing through Abraham's descendants. But, but, we're going to see in a little bit when Christ came for those Jews that really understood all of this about the blessing of God. When they understood that This is the fulfillment of that prophecy right there that all peoples on earth are now going to be blessed. That was through Jesus Christ. We're going to come back to that. First of all, I want to dissect this short little blessing and kind of break it up into seven parts. The Lord bless you. The Lord bless you. You know, God's blessing on Abraham and his descendants. This wasn't just some, like I mentioned, it's not just, you know, God bless you when somebody coughs or sneezes. The blessing of God on Abraham and his descendants was intended to be so obvious, so evident, so manifest, that all the other nations would be jealous and they would say, wow, I want that. That's why even in the Old Testament you have many converts to Judaism. Why? They wanted to be a part of that blessing even though they weren't a physical descendant of Abraham. They wanted to get in on the good blessings that were raining down on Abraham and his descendants. Go with me to Deuteronomy 28 and let's get a sample of what this blessing looks like. I will bless you, God said, and make you a blessing. What does that blessing really look like? I think this will help you. Deuteronomy 28, from verse 2 to verse 13. And when you get home, you got homework. There are many, many, many more verses that follow these about what a curse looks like. And oh man, you don't want those. You don't want the curses of God falling on your life. You want these, these blessings. Are you ready? All, what's all mean? All. Just a few, right? All. All these blessings will come upon you and accompany you. One Bible says they'll chase after you. They'll pursue you. If you obey the Lord your God, you will be blessed in the city. And blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed. God's going to bless your family. And the crops of your land. And the young of your livestock. The calves of your herds. And the lambs of your flock. He's going to bless your business. Your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. He's going to bless your commute. He's going to bless all your travels. The Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. Victory was a part of the blessing of God. They will be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction, but will flee from you in seven. Anybody here want victory? This is real serious to me in these days. I am fighting. I am battling. I am going against the enemy with all my strength. And I'm believing God for victory on every front. I will not settle for defeat because God doesn't. Part of God's blessing is victory over all your enemies. The Lord will send His blessing on your barns, and oh my goodness, I like this next one. Everything. What's everything mean? Oh, it can't possibly mean everything. God's just making that up, right? No, God doesn't make stuff up. Every word of God is pure. Every word of God is true. You can take it to the bank, like Ernie used to say. Everything you put your hand to do will be blessed. No wonder the blessing of God is what makes all the difference in the world. We talk about certain people who have a Midas touch. You know, whatever they touch seems to turn to gold. That's called blessing. It's called blessing. Everything you put your hand to, the Lord your God will bless you in the land of He is giving you. The Lord will establish you as His holy people. There's even a spiritual blessing that was promised Abraham. They were going to be separated as holy. They're God's holy people as He promised you on oath if you keep the commands of the Lord your God and walk in His ways. Then... Listen carefully to this. Then all the peoples on earth. How many? You mean all people? Every non-Jew on the face of the earth? Yeah, that's right. All the peoples on the earth will see. Will see. This was something evident, manifest, and obvious for all to see. God wanted the blessing of God to be so evident on these people that all the other nations would go, wow. Wow. By the way, even to this day, you can see this blessing. Now, I don't know how good you are at math. There are about 15 million Jews in the world today. And since 1947... Uh, we now have 0.0021% of the world population is Jewish. Now, that's not even 1%. That's not even two-tenths of a percent. That's two-thousandths of a percent of the world are Jewish. Okay? But you want to see the blessing of God? more than 25%, one quarter of all Nobel Prizes in the world have gone to Jews. That's not even close! And you can go all down the list. Grammys, Oscars, uh, all kinds of uh, technology inventions, on and on and on it goes. And you know, we hear about Israel every day in the news. It's a tiny little dot in the Middle East, about the size of New Jersey, surrounded by hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of people who chant death to Israel every day. They hate Israel. They want to wipe Israel off the map. Why haven't they been able to do it yet? I'll tell you why. It's because of God's blessing. Enemies come at them, and God defeats them. And He will continue to do so because it's all written. It's all predicted. It's all a part of this promised blessing on Abraham. They will see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they will fear you. The Lord will grant you abundant prosperity. Now I know nobody in here is interested in that. Everybody wants poverty, right? We've gotten into this thing, and I've talked about this before, oh, the poorer you are, the more spiritual you are. That's a bunch of foolishness. That is not what the Bible teaches. Nor does the Bible teach, oh, God wants to make me a multi-millionaire so I can be arrogant, selfish, proud buy yachts and boats and vacation homes for me, myself, and I. That is not abundant prosperity. The Bible says He wants to prosper you so you can give more. Got it? It's not for selfish purposes. It's to do kingdom work. And I pray, God, I want more money in my hands so I have more to give. That's biblical. The Lord will grant you abundant prosperity in the fruit of your womb. Your children are going to be blessed. The young of your livestock, the crops of your ground. Again, all your business endeavors in the land he swore to give, your forefathers to give you. The Lord will open the heavens. You ever had that experience? You ever had a day where the Lord just opened the heavens on you? And you couldn't contain it. He just kept blessing you, blessing you, blessing you. The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of His bounty, to send rain on your land in season and to bless all the work of your hands. Bible says it's a curse to be in debt. It's a curse to owe money to anyone. The borrower is slave to the lender. You know who most of the lenders in the world are? They're Jews. They own most of the banks. It's no coincidence. It's still the outworking of this blessing. And this is not only for them, it's for you and for me if we can understand this and move and activate our faith. You will lend, not to many people. What does it say? To many nations. You will lend money to many nations, but will borrow from none. People, many people in the world today are under a curse. It's called the curse of debt. It's a curse. They can't sleep at night. It makes you do all kinds of weird things. You start to compromise. And it's a real enemy. And we need to get it out of the church and get into this blessing where we're no longer borrowing, 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 but giving, giving, giving. The Lord will make you humble, defeated, and poor. Because that's what a real spiritual person looks like, right? You know, some of the poorest people I've known were the stingiest And I've known some extremely wealthy people who are so generous. Oh my goodness, it will convict you. Now, it's not always that way. But it doesn't matter how much you have, it's what your heart is. And God is not talking about, oh, I'm going to make you the top dog and you're going to be all rich and arrogant, bossing everybody around, taking them to court all the time and suing them. That's not what He's talking about. I'm going to make you the head And not the tail. I'm going to put you in positions of prominence, influence, leadership. Where you can affect and direct the culture in a godly way. Not in an ungodly way. Make you the head and not the tail. If you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God that I give you this day. And carefully follow them. I like this last part. This is where we're going to end. On this passage. You will always, what's always mean? You will always be somewhere in the middle, average, mediocre, a little bit better than a few, but not even close to most. You will always be at the top and never at the bottom. Let me say something, and you, you might not be able to understand this today, but go home and pray over it. God wants you to be at the top of your game, whatever your game is. I'm talking about your calling in life. You better find out what God's calling on your life is, because He's already pre-provided, pre-equipped you with such skills that you're going to blow everyone else out of the water. When you really start to move in that anointing and in that calling. You will be the best doctor, the best lawyer, the best, and you fill in the blank. You will always be at the top, never at the bottom. And again, I'm not talking about arrogance and show off and, you know, look how smart I am and all that nonsense. No, you will walk in great humility, but it will be God's favor and God's anointing. On your life now did what we just read here stir up any kind of an interest in you about how to be blessed Amen. oh wow <clears throat> abundant prosperity victory whatever your hands touch they're blessed I don't know about you I've shared this before I am so tired of devoting a lot of time and energy and effort to something and then it doesn't produce any fruit I'm tired of that I've told the Lord I am sick and tired of vain projects, vain efforts. If I have to sit and sit and sit and wait on you until a vision or an angel comes down into my living room and says, here's what I want you to do. God, i got to be about doing your will and your business because that's what always gets blessed. Now, just to show you in a kind of a negative way the power of God's blessing. Do you remember a guy named Balaam? Now don't get confused here. There was a guy named Balak from Moab, one of the enemy nations of Israel. He was getting scared about Israel. And he wanted to find somebody to curse Israel. And Balaam's a very strange character. Um, I don't want to talk too much about that today, but be it as it may, he seemed to have a gift of prophecy, but apparently he could be bought for a price to prophesy for you know just about any cause. So word got around that, hey, this guy Balaam will do it for you. So Balak hires Balaam to prophesy against his own people, Israel. Okay? More specifically, he was hired to curse them. He tried three times. And each time he stood up and got ready to go, thus saith the Lord, he couldn't curse him. And it's, it's almost humorous. And like I say, Balaam's kind of a pathetic character, but listen to the word of God in Numbers 23 verses 19 to 24. This is Balaam trying to prophesy a curse on Israel. Got it? Numbers 23, 19. Okay. Balaam speaking. God is not a man that He should lie, nor a son of man that He should change His mind. Does He speak and then not act? Does He promise and not fulfill? I, sorry Dale, I I tried, but this isn't going to work. I have received a command to bless. He has blessed and I cannot change it. No misfortune is seen in Jacob. No misery observed in Israel. The Lord their God is with them. The shout of the king is among them. God brought them out of Egypt. They have the strength of a wild ox. There is no sorcery against Jacob. Balak You can pay me all the money in the world. I can't do it. No divination against Israel. It will now be said of Jacob and of Israel. See what God has done. Keep going. The people rise like a lioness. They rouse themselves like a lion that does not rest till he devours his prey and drinks the blood of His victims. Balaam got so frustrated with this. Can't you curse them? No, I can't. Because they're already blessed. If you understand that, I think that's going to stir you up even more. To seek God. For His blessing on you, your family, your household, your business, your ministry, whatever it is that your hands are touching. Because when God's blessing on something, no sorcery, no divination, no demonic activity can touch it. And I'm going to show you why in a minute. Because it's the second part of this seven-part blessing that we're going to come to very quickly. By the way, I'm so stirred up about this, I may one day expand this and do it as a series on Wednesday night. There's so much here. I'm racing through just to get it all into one meeting. But there's a lot. There's a lot in the Scripture on this. Hands up again. How many would like to be blessed by God? Oh my. It makes all the difference. It just makes all the difference. And when we come into the New Covenant... What do we find Jesus doing as His work on earth is complete and He's about to ascend up into heaven? Luke 24, verses 50 and 51. The great high priest, remember this is the priestly blessing. Aaron is just the type and shadow of the real high priest. Jesus Christ, who pronounces God's blessings on His people. Uh, verse 50, fifty. Twenty four fifty 50. and 51. Okay, I'm going to go ahead. When He, that's Jesus, had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, He lifted up His hands and blessed them. Did you all hear that? doesn't have to be up on the screen. Just listen. He lifted up his hands and he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. What was the very last thing Jesus did here? He blessed them. He blessed them. And this wasn't just a little, "Ah you, oh God bless you. No, they needed this blessing for the ministry that they were about to do. They needed that blessing. John 1 verses 16 and 17, it reads, From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. I like that. One blessing after another. That's the Christian experience. That's what Jesus saved us for. We can begin to live in that abundant life, blessing after blessing after blessing, where you wake up in the morning and a song of praise is already in your hearts because God has blessed you. By the way, I got a real special blessing from God this last week. Some of you may not be able to relate to this, but it means a whole lot to me. And you know, God likes to let you know in little ways that He knows your name, your address, how many hairs are on your head, your shoe size. Yeah, you've heard that testimony about my shoes, right? And those are some of the most special experiences you can ever have with God because it's God saying, I know you. This is just for you. And after you've had a few of those, boy, you really start to feel like I'm somebody special. You are. John the Apostle, when he wrote his gospel, he never refers to himself by name. You know how he calls himself? Hey, dudes, I don't know who you are. I'm the one Jesus loves. You all figure out your own life. I know who I am. Jesus loves me. He wasn't being arrogant. He knew who he was. I'm loved by Jesus, and I'm not ashamed of it. I'm going to start telling people, listen to what God did for me last week. He loves me so much. And people will look at you, what? You think God loves you? Yes, he does. Just the way I am. By the way, today is a very interesting day. And I diverge for about two minutes. This is February 12th. It's Lincoln's birthday. President Lincoln's birthday. But there's a very interesting little bit of trivial history here I want to share with you. On the very same day and year... Another very influential historical figure was born. Same exact birth date, date, and year. Abraham Lincoln and Charles Darwin. And listen to the stories. Abraham Lincoln, you probably know a little more about. He was born into abject poverty in a log cabin in Kentucky. He had a very, very difficult uh, upbringing. He met with failure after failure. Even when he tried to get involved in politics, he kept losing and losing and losing, election after election after election. Charles Darwin was born into wealth. We would say he was born with a silver spoon in his mouth in London, England. He goes to Cambridge University. Guess what he's studying there? A lot of people don't know this. He was studying to be a minister. He was studying theology. But listen to this story. It gets even more interesting. Abraham Lincoln and Charles Darwin, as different as their beginnings were, they have some interesting similarities. Both have the same birth date. But something else happened to them. At about the age of 10 or 11, I can't remember the exact numbers here, but about 10 or 11, and if I get the two confused, you'll understand I'm, I don't have all this memorized, but they both lost a child between the ages of 10 and 12. Charles Darwin lost his daughter, I believe her name was Annie, might have been 10 years old. Abraham Lincoln lost his son, Willie, at about 12. As we can well imagine. I can't really even imagine because I haven't experienced it, but I've been around people who have. I don't know if there's anything more devastating to a parent than to lose a child. When Darwin lost his daughter, his whole life changed. He became bitter against God. He stopped all of his theological pursuits. Didn't want to be a minister anymore. He was angry and bitter at God. Why did you do this to me? You took my child away from me. Abraham Lincoln was not a believer at that time. It drove him to his knees to seek God. And when he became president during the Civil War and all of the anguish and bloodshed and trouble drove him even further to his knees, and by the time all that was over, he was a believer. Note the difference. Darwin begins in wealth, studying about God, turns against God and what he has done in the hundred and sixty or seventy years since he published the origin of species, corrupted millions and millions of minds with the lies of evolution. Meanwhile, many would argue Abraham Lincoln was the greatest president this country has ever known, responsible for freeing the slaves and changing the whole course of the nation, even bringing about healing after the terrible civil war that this country went through. But here's what I want to talk to you about. Some of you have heard my testimony 43 years ago after graduating from college, mind filled with all of Darwin's teachings about evolution, that, you know, we are just uh, descendants of apes, and we all originated in the goo in the ocean millions of years ago, and just random chances. Brought all this about. There's no God. There's no purpose. There's no design. We're all just bouncing around in space. With no real reason for living. That's how I was trained. All through college. Evolution, evolution, evolution. But thank God. Jesus came to me. And revealed himself to me. But I still had this huge battle in my mind. From all this stuff. That had been pumped into me over the years. And when I came to Christ, I was staying with a young man in California who led me to the Lord. You've heard about him. His name was Burke. He was a college student. And one day, he knew I was having this battle. He tried his best, but he didn't know all the science that I knew, so it was hard for him to really explain these things to me. So one day he came home from his college, all excited. He said, look, they have a debate this weekend on my college campus, between an evolutionist and a creationist. We gotta go. I said, let's go. Two-day debate. The rules of the debate, they were not allowed to refer to religion, scripture, or anything remotely relating to religion. They were only allowed to talk science. Cold, hard science facts, which I already knew. So I'm sitting in this debate, I can't even remember the evolutionist name, but I remember the creationist name. His name was Dr. Dwayne Gish, a biochemist, PhD professor of biochemistry who came to Christ after all of his studies were done. He became a believer, and he became one of the greatest champions for God's Word and for the six-day creation that is mentioned in Genesis chapter 1. And he was the creation uh, side's debater that day. After two days, I was 100% convinced scientifically that evolution is a farce, it's a lie, it's a fairy tale, and I was able to throw it all out and start believing the Word of God. And from that day on, I have been free indeed. And I've, I've owed a huge debt of gratitude to that man for how God used him in my life. And I wonder today where I would be if I hadn't attended that debate. Well, recently in one of my classes at school, my biology class, we were talking about evolution and creation, and I shared with them a little bit about how much this man impacted my life. And I told them the book that I bought at that debate, I think it was his first book, it was called Evolution, The Fossils Say No. Well, all my life I had heard evolution, the fossils say yes. Oh, look at the fossil record. It proves evolution. And I'm like, the fossils say no? Really? So I bought the book, took it home, read it over and over and over, and I saw that everything it was saying was true. Well, long story short, in my class a little over a week ago, the students asked me if I still had the book. And I said, no, over the years I've lost it, misplaced it. It was written in like 1972. So I said, I'm going to go online, see if I can find a used copy of it. It's been out of print for decades. was able to find a used copy of his first book, and then there's a second volume that came out in 1995 entitled Evolution, the Fossils Still Say No. Okay? So I ordered that one, and they sent me the wrong book. And I'm like, oh, man. So I you know, wrote back to Amazon, and they very kindly issued me the refund, but I had to order the book again. The book came last Sunday. It was waiting for me when we got home from church. Here it is. Evolution, the fossils, still say no. Dwayne T. Gish. Okay, that's great, that's cool. But there's more to it. You see, Dr. Gish has gone to be with the Lord now. He's no longer with us. In his lifetime, he did about 350 to possibly 400 of those evolution debates on college campuses all across the the Americas and even further beyond. He came to be known as the bulldog for creation. He argued this case so eloquently and so effectively. I I have no doubt multiplied thousands of students were set free just like I was through this man's ministry. So the book comes. It's 1995. So, what is that? Uh, Come on, math students. 17 plus 5 is... 22 years ago, this book was written, so no chance you're going to get it new on Amazon. Here's the mystery. This is a brand new book. It doesn't have any folds, no damage whatsoever. It was even shrink-wrapped in plastic, like a brand new book. And so, as I'm opening it, I'm amazed that the beautiful condition that it's in. But God had a bigger blessing than that for me. I opened it up, and it's a signed copy. Signed by Dr. Dwayne Dish, October 23rd, 2004. Yeah, yeah, you can clap for the Lord, because that was a big deal for me. That was a big deal for me. And it was God saying, Gotcha! I got a blessing for you. Signed copy on the way. Dwayne's with me in heaven, but signed copy on the way for you. I did it for you back in 2004. God is good. God is good. He has little ways of letting you know, I know your address. I know what you're doing. And I'm with you. And I want to bless you. Let's move on quickly. I talked about The blessing of Abraham. It's central to this whole thing. You have to understand it. And when we come into the New Testament, you find numerous references to that portion of Scripture that we just read in Genesis 12. Because it's not just for Abraham, it's not just for Jews. And you're going to see that clearly in a minute, if you haven't already. It's for you and for me. Let's start in the book of Acts, which we've been studying on Wednesday nights. We already discussed this. In Acts 3, where Peter is preaching to the Jews. And here's what he says. Acts 3, 25 and 26. And you, he's talking to the Jewish audience, you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham... Through your offspring, all peoples, there it is, all peoples on the earth will be blessed. Okay. But Peter is going to tell us what that really means. When God raised up his servant, that's Jesus, he sent him first to you to bless you. How? By turning each of you from your wicked. Ways You see, the salvation that Jesus Christ came to bring was a part of the extension, the unfolding of this blessing of Abraham. Now we're understanding more about it. The fact that you and I have been able to repent and turn from our sins, run to the cross and receive forgiveness of sins, you can thank Abraham for that. Because that's where it all began. The blessing of Abraham has now come to you next one will make it even clearer Romans 10 we all know this passage what does it say the word is near you it is in your mouth verse 8 and onwards the word of faith we are proclaiming that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the Scripture says, anyone, what's anyone mean? i got to put all these into a book. All, any, anyone, everyone, whosoever. I love those words. Anyone who trusts in Him will never be put to shame. Look at verse 12. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all. Oh my goodness, that's weak. Richly blesses all. all who call on Him. No distinction now Amen. between Abraham and the Jews and the rest of the earth. Because the prophecy, the promise, the blessing of Abraham has now been released on all of the earth. God is now in the business of richly blessing all who call on Jesus Christ. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone, anyone can be saved. What a blessing. The next one is probably the most significant. And pardon me, I'm trying to get through all of this. And that's why I say eventually we're going to have to revisit this And look at it more carefully. But go with me to Galatians chapter 3, from verse 7 to 14. Galatians 3, 7 to 14. Understand. Note that first word. I would posit that there are a lot of Christians who still don't understand what we're about to read here. And it will absolutely transform your life when you do understand it. Understand then, that those who believe, raise your hand if you're a believer. A couple of you I'm really starting to worry about. I'm joking. Understand then, that those who believe believe, are children of Abraham. I am a child of Abraham. Abraham is my father. The Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the Gospel. Listen to those words. We just read the Gospel in Genesis 12. That's right. We read the Gospel in Genesis 12. That portion we read. What is he talking about? Announce the gospel in advance. That's called prophecy, by the way. To Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. How are they all going to be blessed? Through the gospel. Through Jesus Christ. No other way. Through the gospel. So, those who have faith. Again, raise your hand if you have faith. Those who have faith are what? Are what? Blessed. I'm going to give you a third chance to answer me. Those who have faith are blessed. blessed. Remember Deuteronomy 28? Abundant prosperity? Enemies fleeing in seven directions? Whatever your hand touches will be blessed. You're going to be the head, not the tail. You're going to be the lender, not the borrower. That's all a part of this blessing. You have been blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Keep going. Now, if you don't like that, there's an option for you. You can choose to be cursed. You can choose to be cursed by being all religious, but not having any faith just going through the motions, being, you know, ultra-religious, and, you know, having all kinds of rules and regulations and, and, and all that. All who rely on observing the law, that kind of a rigid, rule-based religion, are under a curse. And I'm going to be right, very honest with you. People you may know who are living like that, they seem like they're under a curse. They're always negative. They're always defeated. They're always feeling condemned because you can never measure up. I don't care how much you fast, how much you pray, how much you read or memorize the Bible. You're always going to fall short and then you feel condemned. And you feel like God doesn't love you and you're down in the dumps. All who rely on that system are under a curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. You gotta do it all. You can't pick and choose. I've had people come to me and say, Pastor, says in the Old Testament they weren't supposed to have tattoos on their body. That's right. You need to preach on that more. I'm not going to preach on tattoos. <laughs> Why? Because it's Old Covenant. I don't have any tattoos. I have no dog in the fight. But I prefer to preach Jesus Christ Amen. and grace and truth and not start nitpicking things out of the law. Why? Because you've got to keep all of it. Any of you wearing a suit or something with mixed threads like polyester and cotton blend, you're breaking the law. You're going to hell. Any of you ever had a garden and you planted tomatoes in one row and beans in the next? You sinned. You're going to hell. They weren't allowed to do that under the law. You see my point? Paul is saying, why are you trying to go down this road when there's a much better road? Clearly, no one is justified before God by the law because the righteous, the just, will live by faith. It gets better though. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, the man who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us. Say it with me. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree, on a cross. It was no accident that they crucified Jesus. It was to fulfill that verse from Deuteronomy, showing God's curse came upon his own son for sin, to break the curse off of you and me, redeemed us from the curse, himself becoming a curse. What does that really mean? Next verse will help you. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ so that by faith, that's the only way you receive this, by faith. So that by faith we might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. You see, that's when you really get the full blessing. It's through the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You turn from your sins, you're born again. You take water baptism. You receive the gift, the blessing of the Holy Spirit. And now, by faith, you can begin to walk in and appropriate all of the blessings of Abraham. We used to sing a song like that here, right? Something about the blessing of Abraham. we got to resurrect that one soon. Because we need to understand this. We're called to walk in the blessing of Abraham. The head, not the tail. On top, not on the bottom. Prospering, not always down in the dumps, borrowing and scraping. My God. The Lord bless you. We got through one part and keep you. That's probably as far as I'm going to get today. I got so excited about this one yesterday. It's a good thing I was outside walking, and hopefully nobody saw me or heard me. But you know, people shout for all kinds of things. oh, shouting and protesting and angry and what, whatnot. I'm going to shout for Jesus when I'm walking. Amen. I'm going to shout and holler in tongues when I'm in my car. If they think I'm crazy, I think they are. (laughs) So we're even. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Hebrew word, if you're really interested, and I know you're not, but I'm going to tell you anyway, and maybe it'll make you interested. The Hebrew word is shamar. Listen to the meaning of this word, to keep you. It literally means To hedge about with thorns. Okay? What God is saying, whenever this blessing was pronounced, there's going to be a hedge of rose bushes all around you with big long thorns protecting you from any intruder, from any attacker. It means to hedge about with thorns. Secondary meanings are to guard, protect, Attend to, observe, preserve, or watch over. The word is used in Psalm 91. It's used in Psalm 121, where uh, the psalmist says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the Maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you, same word. He who hedges you about. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. It's used over and over in this psalm. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. Here it comes again. The Lord will keep you. Same word. The Lord will keep you from all harm. What's all mean? From all harm. He will watch over you. Same word again. Watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Satan understood this. Satan apparently knew more about this than most of us do. Because in Job 1, when he went before God, he said, Lord, I know You put a hedge around Job. Where did he get that from? From this. You've been hedging these people ever since Abraham. They're special. They're protected. There's like some sort of a shield around them that I can't get through, God. He couldn't. He needed God's permission To get through that hedge. Let me tell you something. If you understand what this means. It's powerful. God has a wall of fire around your life. And no demon. No sickness. No virus. No enemy can get through it. Unless. And this is a big unless. Unless. God has permitted it for some greater work in your life. It's never for your harm. It's never for your destruction. It's only for your growth and for your increase. So when they would receive the blessing from Aaron and his sons, the Lord bless you and keep you. They were reminded, I've got a wall around me and around my family, protecting me. No wonder Balaam said, no misfortune, no misery, no sorcery, no divination, no curse can touch them. God's already blessed them. How often we see this in the New Testament. I'm just really skimming the surface. John 10 What did Jesus say? My sheep listen to my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. Why? They're safe. They're protected. They're kept. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one, what's no one mean? No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I don't know where you are today, my friend, but I want to be in the Father's hand. I want to be in Jesus' hand, because I know I'm safe there, hallelujah. Nothing can touch you there. Nothing can attack you there. You are safe in His hand. John 17, Jesus is about to go to the cross. And what is He praying? For the protection of His own. Father, protect them by the power of Your name. The name You gave Me so that they may be one as We are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name. I protected them. Let's put this verse up. And this is where we're going to have to close for today. I might continue this later this month. I'm not sure. Jude 24. Jude only has one chapter. Ready? Read it with me. Stand, please. Let's all stand. To Him... It's addressed to address the God. To Him. I don't hear you saying it with me. Apparently you don't want this in your life. I do. To him. to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before His glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Father God, we thank You today that You are a God who wants to bless us. The devil has lied to us. The devil has told us we're cursed. We're always going to be cursed. We're always going to be cursed with defeat and negativity and condemnation and sickness and poverty. And we're never going to be able to get ahead. And God, that You don't even love us and everybody's against us. Father, I rebuke, I reject every one of those lies and every one of those curses. I rebuke every curse that has ever been spoken over us, over this church, over this ministry. And God, we are invoking Your blessing. And by faith, we are entering into the full blessing of Abraham. Prosperity, victory, promotion, favor, being the head and not the tail, being a lender and not a borrower. Oh God, bless everything that we set our hands to do as we obey you, as we walk with you, as we endeavor to do your will. God, we can't live without your blessing. We can't live without Your blessing. Like Jacob, stir us up to wrestle. Stir us up to press in and not settle for anything less than the full blessing that was purchased for us on Calvary. God, I pray these words would sink deep into each and every one of our hearts and even help us from this day to keep meditating on these things proclamations and these promises that You've given us in Your Word. I don't care what we see, what we feel, what other people have said about us. Help us to focus on the Word of God and believe the Word of God. In Jesus' name, we give You thanks and praise and glory. Amen. Amen. Now, before we go, I'm going to do just what Aaron and his sons would do in a congregation meeting. And this is not religious. I want you to receive this by faith, understanding now, this is God's Word. For you, came through Abraham, but you are now a child of Abraham, so this is all for you. The Lord bless you and keep you The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face toward you and give you shalom. Give you peace. Give you health, wholeness, wellness, prosperity peace of mind, peace in your home, peace in your relationships, wellness and shalom wholeness. In Jesus' name, Amen. God bless you and be blessed. I receive it. I receive it all. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hold hold on with the music. Don't go, don't go, don't go, don't go. Turn the music off. I shared this on the phone line. It came to me here last Sunday and it's coming to me again. I'm going to say this is a thus saith the Lord. I want everybody listening. I want everybody. This is serious. I believe God is about to promote some of us. Amen. I believe promotion. Is coming from God. Amen. Don't look to man, don't look to your employer, don't look to your teacher or your college professor. I believe significant promotion is about to be released in our Says the Lord. Amen.